Hello, hello. Welcome to Tuckered Out with me, Ami Tucker. All right, guys. Today, we're talking menstrual hygiene. Period. See what I did there? My next guest have built an organization that is not just changing the conversation around menstrual hygiene in India. They are educating people across the country and changing the way menstruation has been talked about and viewed in the past, and honestly, even today. Their mission really resonated with me because of my own personal experience, which I actually opened up about during the interview, and I don't think I've ever really talked about it, so... Yay, podcasting! Tarun Botra and Kristen Kagetsu are co-founders of Sati, a purpose-driven manufacturing company that makes eco-friendly hygiene products. Their mission? To create hygiene products that are not just good for the body, but also for the environment and for their community. Guys, talking to people like them kind of reaffirms why I'm doing this podcast and the mission of the podcast, which is to tell these fantastic stories of trailblazing South Asians around the world that are doing just really good work. And I am so honored that I got to talk to them and understand and hear their story. I really hope you guys enjoy my interview with Tarun Botra and Kristen Kagetsu from Sati. I want to start with the founder's story. So uh, Kristen and Tarun, whoever wants to answer this, or you both can answer it, um, how did you guys initially meet? I know you both went to MIT. Mm, no. no, actually, I went to MIT, and he went to Nirma in Ahmedabad. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Tarun. So what was the initial meeting? How did you guys meet? Well, uh, Kristen and Grace did went to MIT. Uh, so they are friends from there. That's how they met. Um, I and Kristen met in Ahmedabad. So Kristen came to India to, you know, uh, look uh, how she can work on the project here because she has been to India before uh, on a project during her internship for making crayons, natural crayons, 100% uh, natural, even edible. So you can eat them. Uh, if you're a kid, you don't, uh, you know, risk uh, eating wax. So uh, she came back to India because she liked it here. And Kristen was hiring uh, engineers. So she was looking for engineers who can help her, uh, you know, design the machines, look at the local market, see. Uh, at that point of time, I was ambitious to do MBA because I was into my family business and I really wanted to expand onto uh, national and international level because it's a traditional business we are in. Uh, so that's what my focus was. So I met her. Uh, I was at that point of time a coordinator in terms of placement in, in Nirma University where I was studying. So uh, I had the shortlist candidates and, and you know, interview them. Uh, and while I was uh, still looking for my MBA. So she didn't like anybody <laughs> by the end of all the, all the interviews went through. And Kristen and I talked about it and I said that, okay, uh, you know, it, it sounds like a noble cause. Uh, why don't I help you find a lot of other people? I've been in Ahmedabad for quite a while. So uh, I can look into, uh, you know, getting somebody who is the right person for the organization. And she asked, right. why don't you try? 
and i told her that no i i don't think so at this point of time it is something which i'm looking for um but we still met at a coffee uh, in the evening we talked about it and uh, i got to know more about the project and where i realized that this is something i've been looking for where i can actually you know contribute my knowledge and values uh, in the prime of my uh, age where you know i can focus on something doing better you know you can always make money and i was doing that doing my family business so well i gave it a try and that's how we co-founded sati very nice so then kristen obviously you previously worked in india so i guess from mit what drew you to start working there um and when you initially started working that was it was that your first time in india uh and how do you what would you describe your relationship to be with with the country yeah um in terms of like culture and food exposure i actually had a babysitter when i was younger and she's guyanese indian so um she introduced me to bollywood movies to uh food indian food and all of that kind of stuff um but then um so i kind of always had it in my mind that i'm interested to go to india and um and, and visit at least and so i did that in college senior year of college i had a chance to go to india with um uh dlab mit dlab i'm not sure um if you're familiar but it's a class kind of on um uh appropriate technologies for um basically uh communities and and various situations so um we went to india and we were, we actually went to amdabad and to uttarakhand um and my main project was in uttarakhand which was working on the crayons as, as Tarun mentioned but um basically the the crayons were from all natural materials that it, it was a NGO that was working on um textiles and they had dyes left over and so um I was working on, on developing those crayons and that was basically my first trip to India but also the one that kind of um exposed me to more of what uh could be possible in terms of work going forwards and things like that and I was really I spent about 3 months on that project uh, in two trips um and um that's when I knew I I wanted to to come back to India so um I had already signed up for a job in Boston so I actually worked in Boston for about a year and a half and then uh said that's that's enough uh and basically tried really hard to figure out what's the best way to to get back to India and that that ended up being applying for a business plan competition we won the grand prize uh and taking that um that funding and and heading to India and starting to figure out how all the pieces worked and I think uh for both well for for me i didn't have um background in like entrepreneurship as such it was more about um making uh, an impact and a difference and the social enterprise is like the way to do it um, right yeah so that's kind of all of it in a nutshell i would say okay so this grant that you got that was that for sati yeah it was 50k yeah for sati okay all right so the the concept of this uh was something that you had thought of for this competition. We had a basic concept. Actually, it it evolved uh once Tarun and I met and we actually started working on things, it evolved. So, we initially started with this idea of um setting up a machine like a machine making company basically. So, we're going to make these low-cost machines, bring them to villages and all that kind of stuff. Um and have self-help groups work with the machine and and make their own pads. Um but okay. now we've 
shifted our whole model into it's actually more about we're making the pads ourselves in our own facility and we're making them out of sustainable, completely sustainable materials. We're still reaching the um, women who need access uh, to pads, but doing it in a slightly different way because we um, see that uh, in order to make high quality pads that are sustainable, we have to, it's the, uh, it's much easier to do that in our own facility um, than to, be able to bring all those high quality materials into rural areas and then have them make them. Uh, we have more control over quality and all kinds of other things. So. Was that the reason the business model switched? Part of it was, you know, we need to buy the materials and then to pay for materials to be distributed in um, to every village is another, again, you have the last mile distribution problem, which, uh, people already have with, with, um, delivering pads. And then again, if you're looking at like, um, you know, uh, in terms of control, quality control and all of that, we don't have any way to sit in every village and watch everyone make the pad. So, so having our own facility means that we can make sure every pad really is, uh, the quality that we're expecting and, um, and then be able to, to just work on distribution. So, uh, with distribution, we're working with NGOs and, and that's a very smooth way to kind of cut out last mile distribution as well. Yeah. It seems like the, some of the nonprofits I've interviewed, they, they all say having people on the ground in India working with organizations there is the best way to go. Exactly. Because they're, they're, because they're on the ground right. Right? And, they, exactly. and they know the areas. Exactly. And, and they know the well, people too. And why try to reinvent the wheel? Exactly. At that point, yeah. Right. Yeah. And so Thurun, really quickly back to you. And I, I mean, so I, I got how you guys met, but I know um, you had said you had a personal experience with a family member who was affected by having to face these taboos around menstrual hygiene in India. Um, can you speak more about that personal experience and, and why that maybe pushed you to get more involved in this? When I was seven, I saw that my mother does not, um, you know, sleep in the same bed. Uh, she used to when she was in, in a period cycle. So she would have a different uh, bed, which will be on floor. And she would not drink from the same pot. I have to bring her water or somebody else would bring her water, but her class would be different. And I, I had a lot of friends which uh, would be considered untouchable and in a lot of, lot of cultures because they are not, you can, I can say, from high society or they are, the, the kind of work they would be doing is cleaning or something. I had a lot of friends. I used to go out, play with them no matter what people would say. And I've seen people behaving uh, this way to them because they are untouchable. And I felt strongly, uh, you know, about it when I was, I saw this behavior being done to my mother. And I was like, okay, so I get it that you do it with other people and which is also not okay uh, for whatever reason you do it with them. But uh, I, I understand there is something called caste system, which is bizarre. But what my mother did wrong here, can I understand that? Uh, and I asked this to my grandmother. Now, my grandmother kind of confused seeing that a seven-year-old kid is trying to explain or ask me uh, a reason for explanation that what why it has been done to her mother or why her mother has been treated like this way. So she would just tell me not to go and sit with her or eat with her. Or if I touch her, I have to take a bath. Uh, so all this nonsense around it. 
and uh, i was very heartbroken and i i went to my grandmother and had a huge fight with her i told her i would not talk to her i would not eat or i would not you know be part of this this nonsense and i just cried uh, at that time as i was young and then i felt like you know uh, like why would not my mother be allowed to just love me because I, it's just it's just not okay and she realized that you know whatever uh, it is whether religion says it or you know it has been orthodox in the family but it is insanely unfair to a kid not to be able to be uh, loved by her mother so she fought for it in our family and she made sure that you know no other kid would go through any such kind of problem and because it happens at a, such a young age uh, and it got changed in my family so i never saw anything like that after it because i never saw my mother staying away from kitchen not touching anything so i didn't had a memory of it until uh, i co-founded sathi and 3 months later my mom and i had a sit down saying that you know uh, i like this is a noble cause you are working for and uh, you know i would like to so you know how people believe that you are destined to do something right so she told me the story then you know i would like you to know about this this is what happened and that's why you don't feel the same way how other people are and uh, she she was very happy uh, and very supportive of me doing this uh, that it's just not going to be my life which was changed but i'll be able to do it with other kids so you know right. a lot of people think that it's just the woman who goes through a uh, period but yes she does she goes through all the pain but there are people uh, around her especially the kids who could suffer because of that also like you know right. especially girl kids right however their mother is treated they would uh, you know have a mentality of being treated the same way well it affects kids and impact kids deeply i have a 7 year old right now uh and she's aware of everything they soak up everything especially when it comes to their mothers yes um and so i'm not surprised that at 7 years old you were aware and that you remember that because it, for kids that young it can be traumatic you know I, yeah i'm lucky that i did not have to go through this in in a long uh, you know longer time of duration yeah because it does not it does not uh, you know affect uh, nicely on anybody's mind whatsoever No, and this whole idea and I had an interview with another um uh foundation recently and we talked about this and this whole concept actually just makes me angry <laughs> because without menstruation there wouldn't be children. <laughs> like yeah. the whole concept of it being taboo just fires me up. And so I just really want to to ask both of you guys um why is it taboo in India? Why or in, in a lot of cultures? Like why do you think that's happened? and people blame it on religion and people blame it on this and that but let's let's get to the heart of it you guys are are working in this industry like what do you think is the reasons these conversations are not happening it's a menstruation is a quiet thing and everyone has to hide in corners and, and i want to focus on india obviously alone just because i know it's all around the world but why do you think it's happened in india and do you think it's changing i think it is changing uh I think it's it started noticeably like in 2015 people had said oh this is the year of menstruation I think that was just the tip of the iceberg though in terms of like actually there were some news articles about uh the 
Kiran Gandhi, who ran the London Marathon, and she was basically free bleeding essentially during the the um, uh, marathon. And I think uh, with that, there started to be more and more articles in the news. Um, I think the other thing is just that um, seeing kind of why is it a taboo? I think it's definitely partly just society, right? Like we, like we learn as kids all this stuff in health class and I sometimes I feel like all those things are like oh you know don't talk about these things with your friends like we're just learning it because we have to kind of thing I don't know I think that's at least like my memory and I um um and I I feel like those are some of the things where it was just kind of taught to you in a way where you were like oh I shouldn't tell other people about it and yeah, but Darwin, I think you should share a little more like what you think um, in terms of India specifically as well. Well, I guess whether India or any, any, anywhere else, right? It's just like a concept. So at some point of time, uh, someone really screwed it up very well, right? They like uh, when you are a kid, your parents tell you that don't go into the dark. There is a ghost. Right? right. At this age, what all they are trying to see is that you stay safe. You don't go into dark. You don't fall on your head or, you know, somebody don't mug you or something. Right. So from their point of view, they are right. But you are an individual. Right? It is your take how to take that information. And and once you take it and then you develop on it, you share it ahead to your kids in the same way. What you believe in, right. what you think of. Now, anything in history, I, uh, you know, if you, if you want to point it out, how it happened, somebody said it, somebody propagated it, and somebody twisted it for their personal use, somebody twisted it for their personal use, a religious person twisted it for their personal use. And we have, we have evidence of thousand things in history which, you know, were done to, to suppress women, whether it was clothing style, whether it was any sort of nonsense that, you know, women should not go work or good thing. And especially in India, you know, like it, it was the dumbest thing somebody could do is, is they find a human being boundaries, like they are caged animals, right? That, oh, you, a woman cannot work. Uh, a woman should, should cook or, or this thing. If that was the case, then why there was an Indra Gandhi or why there was a Lakshmi Bai in the first place, right? And how yeah. is they better at everything and anything than a man, a guy. Right. In India, if you see it, it like if, if you talk about one religion, they would say, you know, uh, it is because of uh, women are impure while they are bleeding, or somebody would say that, you know, um, it's not healthy or it is contagious or or so many different reasons. Like you know, many cultures, yeah. many languages, many reasons around the country and. Some even would say stupid things like, you know, uh, if it's, it's like a punishment God is giving for her being woman. And and somebody tell them that, you know, that is the whole story where the birth begins, right? And then if that does not exist, you don't exist. Uh, but nobody told them that and it got twisted over the time. And then, yeah, yeah. it become cultural, historical uh, and whatnot. And yeah. today. You know, when you blame religion and other things, I think specifically for in India, I think the original intent for women to be not in the kitchen or not going to the mandir was for them to rest. 
Yeah. Right. I don't, I don't think it was because they were disgusting. <laughs> and I think it all got twisted around and through, and I'm going to throw it out there. I'm going to blame men for this because it's not the women doing it. It's the patriarchy of India, their egos. And I feel like that was just a way to put women down a little bit more. Yes. I mean, that's, I think that's just a fact I, I totally <laughs> because I don't think the original intent of our culture and our religion, whatever religion it is, no, it, it was for that reason, right? It's always men who, men and, I mean, men in general that, that twist things around. And so I'm glad it's changing though. That's good to hear. I'm glad people are talking about it more because guess what? 50% of the world menstruates, so, <laughs> or more. <laughs> just to also shed a little bit of light on um, a couple other kind of, parts of India where there are festivals that do celebrate women menstruating. I think that's another thing that people don't talk about either. Uh, there are different kind of communities that do celebrate uh, menstruating women. And I think those are finally getting more um, uh, highlighted more at least. And um, that's also great because there are a few kind of more matriarchal societies uh, in India as well. And I think that's kind of where the whole world is starting to realize, oh, if we kind of move more towards um, not having just the patriarchy or necessarily like one or the other, but looking at kind of a more holistic view of the world, that's kind of the direction we want to go. And I think there are plenty of more traditional cultures that we can kind of learn from in that way. Um, right. So there, it's not all bad, but at the same time, I think there it's the mainstream stuff and that's stuff everyone knows. And that's the stuff that we're trying to break down because it isn't all like one homogenous. Uh, right. No, I, I do think it's changing. I mean, I'll tell you quickly my one minute story. I started my period in India. I've never talked about this actually, because you're not supposed to, right? I started my period in India. I was whatever, 11, 12. My mom wasn't around. I was in Bombay. My mom wasn't around. My dad was there. I was at my kaka's house, which is my dad's side of the family. I just vaguely remember it being very secretive and like my dad having to run and like freaking out. And like, it was all like, oh my God, like so secretive and this. And I remember feeling bad about having it, yeah. you know? And so I think that stays with me. That stayed with yeah. me a little bit. And maybe that's why I get, I get fired up when I hear this stuff. And so I'm, I'm, it's, it's great that the conversation is changing and that people are talking about it. So I want to go back really quick. So you talked about your business model a little bit. I want to ask each of you, what are your roles in the company specifically? And then this past year and in general, what with COVID and in general, what challenges have you guys faced in the past year or so? Yeah, so um, I'm um, CEO of the company and basically um, working on kind of the marketing side uh, as well as organizational things related to uh, building the team and things like that, fundraising, et cetera. Um, and so? Uh, I am CTO of the company. So a lot of work my goes in product development, product research, uh, product testing. Other than that, I am responsible for sales and other partnerships for the company and all the legal uh, compliances. Okay. And then in terms of challenges, we can start with maybe challenges overall the past, you know, since you guys launched. And then specifically, I want to talk about the pandemic challenges that you guys have had during that time, as well as the impact on the women that you're working with. The first time we had lockdown in India, that was very um, 
constricting in a way because basically everything was shut. Uh, there was no instruction as to what do you do when literally everything is shut and like nothing is allowed to open, not even delivery service, et cetera. And if we deliver products to customers across India, then how are we supposed to get it there? So these were just things that were very um, challenging logistically. And then finally the government had certain uh, like, uh, cause it was kind of all of a sudden. So it was like, Oh, business is running. And then all of a sudden everything's closed and you're like, Oh, now what? So we had a lot of like days of just, oh my God, what do we do? What do we do? And we don't know how long it's going to last. And they said, oh, it's just, you know, just this week. Well, it was first just Sunday. Then it was like, oh, just this week. And then right. kind of like slowly extending. And we're like, okay, well, we don't know <laughs> what to do. Um, so I think right. kind of the first wave, because India closed so quickly uh, in the beginning. And then the second wave was another kind of big hurdle because of just our team also uh, got COVID and, you know, we, had, we were basically, our team was cut in half and um, we're very fortunate that they, um, you know, recovered, but it was just a very uh, uh, challenging time for the rest of the team to kind of pick up on the other half's uh, work and, and that sort of thing. So. Uh, but then, like, I probably, I guess you want to talk about more of the uh, impact also on women as well. Well, there have been a lot of challenges as any other organization would have when you start. Um, but yeah, uh, as as we all know, right, menstruation is not something openly talked about. And it's kind of a, a bomb. And we were looked at as, as Kristen and I were terrorists when we started doing this thing. Uh, so... A funny story is that initially when we tried to find a place and even before that, you know, when we tried to work with uh, banana fiber, right? So I'm not sure if you're aware, uh, banana is one of the holistic trees in India. Uh, so there is a male banana tree and then there is a female banana tree. And the female banana tree, okay, there are male, female in trees also. So <laughs> Interesting, I had no idea. Yeah, well, uh, we also got an idea when we were just almost threatened to be killed. Uh, uh, we went, did you guys get, did you guys really get death threats? Yeah. Uh, she, she was not going to be beaten, but I was, uh, she was a foreigner so, and then a lady. So they said, okay, uh, we would not touch her, but you, you better. And I was like, well, this is injustice. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, but yeah. So we went to a bunch of farmers saying that, you know what? Hey, uh, we would like to use this banana fiber. This is awesome application. You know, we can use this thing and this would result into not just you getting extra incomes, but also, you know, uh, women from villages getting better products, better hygiene, which they don't get at this point of time. And well, somebody just got pissed saying that this is, uh, you know, a holistic tree and that and that, and you cannot use it for something nasty like this. And then once he, he brought the concept of religion in it, it just went south for everyone over there. And a bunch of old people just got around uh, with their kids and everything. And then, you know, um, as farmers are the, the, you know, heart of all living beings because they provide all of us food, they are very well strong and then tall and, you know, like this on... And me being 5.5 feet and looking at a 7 feet guy and 20 of them around us and be like, okay. (laughs) 
So everyone calm down. <laughs> so they said that you know you cannot use it for this never come back here don't talk about it don't you dare to you know think about it and just go to mind your own business and and better we not see you next time. Uh, right. And we were like okay uh fortunately they had uh, kids studying in agricultural university who understood uh because they were modern they they were uh what's it looking at a world in a different way they realize it's a good thing and then there is nothing as such uh which is going bad with it so well we all came to an agreement uh, and then they they realized that you know it is beneficial to them and really beneficial to mother earth because farmers connect to earth more than anybody as in the world right uh, then they don't want her to be polluted in in the way it is getting in the cities uh, so that was one of the hurdles and then then there was another stupid one where every time we went to rent a factory for processing and doing putting our machinery in right after looking at kristen she is a foreigner it's an american company and uh, you know they are having a base in india and they're like wow so yes we would like to do business with you and everything so what are you going to make here and and they like, oh, okay uh, send it in napkins and then it would turn into another story after that uh, you know like from guys who would say to me uh, or, or even ladies who would say to me that oh i would like to ask my husband or my father a 45 year guy who makes uh, 15 to 20 million a year in in us dollars is 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 telling me that he has to ask his father if he can rent his property to us uh you know when when somebody was like almost ready and we didn't look the deal forward because this guy he said acha uh, like in hindi uh, that time of the month in hindi he said that time of the month oh and then he whispered in the the guy who was showing us places in his ears and he's like oh this is dirty and then this is just like like after 3 months of looking for a place it's just blowed into my face so badly yeah yeah I was like okay come here I, i'll show you what is bad and what is dirty <laughs> <laughs> so it's a different way of doing business in india uh, yeah over i know over the time it it got better right and in covid also uh, you know you would see that uh, this recently got uh, established as a product of necessity is an as- oh good essential because back then it was not an essential so in covid you cannot uh, like if it is a lockdown it's a curfew only companies which are essential are allowed to work uh, which means right. food uh, hospitals government agencies or government offices uh, police then there came a notice that yes there is a scarcity of sanitary napkins in india this is something you cannot get by without having the product it got included in essential everybody every manufacturer got a special license to operate so we we were allowed to you know go to office factory run it make sure that products are available so that was one of the hurdles which came easily uh, you know because women got involved in very fast I, i guess everybody had this like you know you get overworked when you're working from home because there is no time cycle right right uh, so we right. we seen that and we really appreciate that among our team that you know nobody complained about it everybody was gracefully you know uh doing this and as kristen and i am and are in different time zone so that also was a little bit difficult right i think that's a common story it's kind of yeah. people a lot of businesses have survived through the pandemic and now in a way starting over with a new lens you know 
Um, and so I'm glad you guys survived. I, I'm so glad it's become a necessity there. I was wondering, so these women that have access to these pads. So one, who are these women? What is the, their options if they can't afford it? I know it's not expensive. I, I, I assume the price points are comfortable for, for a majority of these women. But what happens if they can't afford it? And then uh, what were these women doing before Sati? Did they have any other options? So in terms of impact, Sati uh, over the years took a holistic approach. We slowly, slowly uh, became what we are today. We are uh, a circular economy model uh, based in hygiene industry, first of its kind, where we don't take any any materials which are man-made or synthetic, but a natural agricultural waste that is fiber, where and then take it to our factories. Our factory is a zero waste factory. Nothing that gets out is a waste, plastic uh, or any sort. All it is is a natural material that goes back to fields to become compost or become same one with earth. Uh, our company is 100% run by women. Uh, I am proud to say that today Sati uh, is 75% women led. That's great. Which is, is a great uh, uh, because it's not like we we are partial to hire women. We simply believe in talent that if you have, have talent to do it, then you are more than welcome. And we employ uh, underprivileged women, especially go door to door in nearby villages with our supervisors and see that if somebody is in need of money, there are women who are divorced, do not have any support uh, in terms of money and they are dependent on their maternal side. We try and help them become independent. So our workers are also, you know, selected in a very specific way where we make sure that somebody who is needy is getting jobs and skills to survive in the life. Then when it comes to, uh, you know, price point or selling the product to individuals. So we have a Robinhood business model. By Robinhood, because we sell at premium cost in, in urban areas to women who can afford it. And right. then they can help a fellow woman to get at subsidized cost or at free, depending on what area or where we are, uh, what they're giving it product. So there would be areas where, you know, they cannot afford two times of food or anything else, or even in terms of basic utilities, the product would go free. We will collaborate with an NGO who will pay the base cost and Sati would subsidize it to an extent where it is affordable. Uh, so we will charge bare minimum amount in order to make sure that it is not misused. India is so diverse that there are segments who can afford it. There are segments who right. can afford it. Uh, so based on that, that's how we do it. And best part of it is that, you know, you're looking for a product which is healthier. You know, somebody who was using, so as you asked that, what what were they getting by before, uh, you know, they had sati. So a lot, lot of them use clay to to make sure that they are having, uh, you know, the blood is being absorbed. And a lot of them use wood bark to, you know, hold it. A lot of them use a piece of cloth. And uh, I'm not sure if you re read the article, the a woman who got uh, who who didn't survive when she used a piece of bark because it has a centipede in it, and she couldn't she couldn't identify it, and eventually it entered her private parts, and then um, because of that uh, she couldn't survive it. And unfortunately, it, it it I mean, like I don't know. This this was the first incident which came out in newspaper because a lot of people started talking about periods, but would be a lot more women who would have uh, faced such such kind of uh, oh my god that's horrendous 
which was never actually talked or spoken about and and yes it, this could happen when you use something unhygienic or or something like this which is out there and so this is this is something basic and this is is a part of necessity is is as good as food water or or a shelter right. or that uh when it comes to periods and it should be available out there i mean advocacy should be there that it should be available in 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 pad banks like money banks are there for loan you you should have pad banks where you know women who cannot afford basic hygiene or or you know a health clinic specifically for women where they can get all whether it is contraceptives whether it is uh, what's a healthcare for their kids maternal healthcare right. or sexual healthcare whatever it is should be free uh, considering also the medical uh, care is majorly dominated by guys like every vaccine or every uh, thing which is developed is developed keeping uh, 50% of world's population which is men in the mind. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's really, really sad. And my next question with that is, so in terms of, we're talking about impact and numbers, pure numbers wise, if you can tell me maybe Kristen, like how many women have been able to have access to Sati pads? How many farmers have you employed or women and farmers uh, both? And, you know, I know Tarun, you mentioned the first story about facing the farmers and the challenges with them. How are people, farmers and women, uh, responding to you guys now? Actually, yeah, I wanted to mention also that, like, um, the UN has these sustainable development goals. And basically one of the key things for us is being able to address about eight of the 17 uh, UN Sustainable Development Goals because oh, nice. because of our model and how, how we've designed it, we measure five key metrics. We're looking at uh, the number of, or the amount of additional income to banana farmers, the number of women that we employ, uh, the number of women we reach with the pads, uh, both in urban and rural areas because it's increased health no matter who receives them. Um, and then also the amount of plastic waste reduced and the amount to CO2 emissions reduced um, due to using a pad that doesn't contain any plastics, chemicals, um, or anything else. So I think there are just quite a lot of different benefits, and, and this is something which we find um, only could have come from kind of a more holistic view of this whole situation, not just looking at the lack of access to pads, but also what is the solution we're going to bring to the table? Is it just to make it cheaper? Is it just to, you know, make them... Uh, for the sake of quote unquote employment and having a facility in a rural area just to say, oh yes, we are encouraging employment, but is it really the best model for employment if, if that's the focus? Uh, right. So it's kind of like thinking, because we found that after doing calculations, like the, the machine model probably wasn't the best in the long run for the women running the machine in the rural area because they will have a cap as to how many women they can reach. And right. the whole idea of manufacturing is you kind of have to keep increasing the number of people you can reach. Otherwise, the cost goes up or stays goes up, the same yeah. or goes up um, if you reach less people. So it's, I think that's kind of one of those things where just the all all of these factors, if you uh, kind of combine them, that that's what we're trying to have is more of this model for um, basically having a sustainable manufacturing unit that's able to be ethical, responsible, sustainable, and, and last for the long term. Um, kind of 
coming back to um, looking at, you know, some of the things that we've been able to accomplish uh, over the past uh, couple of years, like we've been able to reach a significant number of farmers and things like that. I mean, I guess, uh, I don't know if you want to mention specific numbers or how we should go about this, but I know, I know, I know you have a goal to support 5,000 menstruators this year. Is that, is that a goal for this year? Yes, yes, definitely. Okay. I mean, however you want to describe whatever that means to you, right? Impact. So I would say like for us, I mean, it's not just the numbers. I mean, the numbers are things right. that everyone uses to like measure, you know, oh, did we succeed or not succeed? But I think like, um, again, kind of looking at the model, it's, um, we're, t- we're using the, the raw fiber from, the farmers, and so that's how we're able to provide the additional income. Um, in our uh, manufacturing facility, we have an all-women staff, so that's how we're also able to, you know, uh, focus on women employment. And we also work with women in rural areas to uh, distribute the pads. Um, and then, of course, as Thorne mentioned, we have this, um, uh, like buy one, give one kind of model in a way, um, where women in, in urban areas are helping to support women in rural areas. And we have many NGO partners, as, as previously mentioned, that we work with directly to make sure that we're able to, um, reach the women in the quickest way possible and make sure they really do get the benefits, um, both of the pad, but also, uh, we do workshops. So the understanding of, what a pad is, how to use it, and what is menstruation sometimes has to come through in those workshops because that's not something, there isn't maybe a health curriculum. Oh, good. I was just about to ask you guys whether you had considered doing some kind of educational workshop for men and women, like everybody, right? Yeah, so for sure. And I think that's another thing that's kind of interesting. It's like, you know, you would think, oh, why does a manufacturing company have to do all these things? And this seems so ridiculous. And like a lot of people told us when we started, they said, no, you, you, this model won't work. Uh, you know, you have to choose one or the other. You either have to address lack of access or you address the sustainability. You can't do both. Nobody wants this kind of product, but mind you, most of these people were meant to. So, I mean, it's kind of like that like, oh, well, you know, when we talked to the ladies on, um, we had interviewed, we literally like stood in a park and interviewed ladies on the street. Like, you know, we, that's how we were doing. Were they, were they hesitant to be interviewed? Uh, some were, yeah, we got some rejection, especially because we also had a guy, uh, doing it in Hindi because I didn't speak, like, I don't speak fluent Hindi or anything like that. I mean, I know a few words and phrases here and there, but like, um, I couldn't conduct an, a survey. So we had a guide in that role. So first, like getting a lady to come and talk to us. And then, so I had yeah. to just stand there as the, oh, come and talk to me kind of thing. But yeah, yeah. I'm not going to say anything. Um, and, and so that was kind of, you know, we talked to the women and, and yes, maybe people didn't think of this on their own, that this is what I want, but it's kind of also like Apple, right? People didn't know they wanted an iPhone before the iPhone was created. And, um, these kinds of things are just new. And once we explained it, they're like, oh, that makes total sense. Like no right. matter who I've talked to in India or around the world, once we tell them what we do, they're like, oh, that's so great and so cool. And it's like, oh, but you, it's not like if I asked them, they would have thought of it necessarily. Um, right. And so that's kind of one of those things where, you know, we're just trying to uh, meet the need, but also explain to other people, like, this is something people want. They were like, oh, people won't want it because it's not white. It's It has to be white and clean and all that. And 
it's not like it's black either. It's it's uh, off white, and I understand that it has to be a light color so you can see the discharge if you have any, so you make sure that it's a healthy color. But right. it was like a you know it was like kind of a cream color, and women didn't care <laughs> that it was yeah. a little bit off white, basically. Yeah, but these men were telling me that yeah, women aren't gonna like this. I'll I'll have to check and see if my wife likes this color and blah blah blah. I was like, okay, go check, please. I know, I know what she's gonna say because I talked to so many hundreds of other women and I know what they what they said. And uh, I would I would just be like, have you menstruated before? If not, please continue. Right, <laughs> I get really angry sometimes, you know, but I can't be like, you know. I know. Sorry, I'm like getting angry right now already. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> But we, we've had like all kinds of, I would say, crazy experiences. Like oh, one sure. guy tried to buy out our company at the early days because he thought, oh, you know, it's not going to work and I can, I can fix it for you and all this kind of stuff. And anyway, and he, he approached us twice. Um, we, after even saying no. So I think there are all these kind of crazy stories of like, yeah, just not having the same alignment. And I think for us, the, right. the, the impact is really important. And even now when we're looking for, you know, our next round of funding and that sort of thing, like we're really interested to have, you know, partners that understand where we're trying to be. Like we, we see this as something that's, that's going to last for the long term. Um, and, and something that we can really, um, be able to, uh, uh, help a lot of, um, women and and you know support more farmers and things like that because right. as we grow all of the impacts grow because they're part of our supply chain so just having this model i think is is not a oh we'll just we'll be here like till next year or in five years we're going to just sell this and you know kind of go away i mean i think this is something that we need to work towards uh is is more you know holistic thinking around manufacturing so it's it's a long term it's a social impact right this is not something you can do in three years and and change the way society thinks you know it takes it takes a long time and so i don't care what your numbers are the fact that you guys have started the conversation all I, mean, I can't imagine what challenges you've gone through i mean you're already a success that's why when you reached out to me i was like yes Let's talk. This is amazing and so important. Like it's probably saving people's lives, women's yeah. lives, you know? And in terms of giving back, how can people support you guys? Uh, you said you're looking for the next round of funding, but also, you know, for individuals, how can they help? Yeah. So for um, individuals, we actually have uh, a GoFundMe campaign with one of our partners. Um, well, we actually have two partners, uh, one partner in the U.S., which is Project Kilimanjaro, and one part, uh, partner in India, which is Tatva Bone Foundation. And okay. both of these partners are working with us towards the same goal. So we're uh, expanding our One Million Pads pro- uh, initiative. So we started this initiative back when we started Tati to basically um, distribute One Million Pads uh, to women um, in India. And this is something where um, we are basically looking at reaching the most underserved women uh, who really don't have access and, and don't have other ways to, to get these products. Um, and basically with the, with the two partners, we're raising hundred K um, via GoFundMe and give India, we've already reached 20 K. So we're near about our, our, um, you know, uh, 20% point um, and looking to kind of complete that uh, in the next two months or so. So we're just looking at uh, how do we spread the word um, and share those links out. 
That's what I'm here for. Keep spreading the word for sure. One more point I forgot to mention is that it only takes $20 to provide one year's worth of pads to a menstruator, uh, including the education that we um, provide with the workshops as well. So I think that's a kind of maybe easier. To 20, do- guys, to my <laughs> audience, $20, $20 is like four coffees. So everyone needs to do this. That's like nothing. So yes, that's amazing. that It covers a year, you said? Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm going to be logging in after we talk for sure. That's amazing. So I kind of want to ask you two overview questions to, to kind of wrap, sum this up. What do you think makes Sathi such a unique organization? So different from any other company? I think it's our approach actually. Like, yeah. I mean, really what we want to do, um, we have a kind of maybe idealistic or, you know, big vision, uh, for the future. And, it's our approach uh, to be basically as positively impactful as possible. Um, and in, in having that approach, basically everything that we do, all the decisions we take, you know, how we partner with people, uh, how we do business, all of that is because we're trying to work towards the greater good. Um, and so that's just because it's ingrained in both of us so deeply. I mean, maybe sometimes, you know, we very, we get very like, stubborn kind of about that particular point, I would say. Um, and, uh, and then I think like we really also have a strong, um, belief that we can disrupt, uh, systems and drive more systemic change, um, uh, around also how menstrual hygiene is addressed. And, um, we're building this model, uh, for sustainable manufacturing to not only address waste, but also looking at like different ways that we can look at the supply chain and, and sourcing and, and be ethical about that. And so I think these are all just, I mean, kind of, again, it sounds very idealistic, but I think this is just like, we very strongly believe that this is kind of the way of the future. Right. Well, look, Kristen, if you're not idealistic, you can't be doing this. <laughs> you have you have to be, right? Yeah. That's the only way things are going to change. Yeah. And so I, I love that. I love that you guys are. Uh, Tharun, did you want to add anything to that? I guess... People, you know, uh, have have been looking at doing solving problems, right? It's always that there is there is a need, and then you take it as a problem, uh, you try and solve it, uh, you put a lot of passion in it, uh, you know, and and see if you can make something better out of it. Uh, over the time, it has just become business, not not and quote to quote uh, a bad industrializations uh, because you know. If it, it just has become about money and profit, while Sati on the other end is not looking to do that. We are going back to the old ways where, you know, you put people first, you put planet first, and then when that all is covered, you want to build a sustainable business model, which is profit. That comes right. there. But yeah, it has to be there. Any business has to be having profit in order to survive so they can serve more and more people every day. Right. But if you're not going to respect people who you're working for or the planet, uh, you know, on, on which you live and you work on or, or for is not going to be something which can sustain long. So yeah, it, yeah, it's just the idea of being, being for people, for the planet. And then eventually, yes, do make a sustainable business model is something we strongly believe in. And we are kind of, what you say, stubborn or crazy people who, <laughs> It's been five years. Uh, we have faced so many people who would simply say, I will give you this much money you've never seen in your life. 
uh, right like right now just sell the company to me and and we asked that what do you want to do with it is it's like oh this is a great idea i want to make a lot of money out of it you know this would sell this was like and then you're like okay. you're like bye see you later and then <laughs> like, okay why don't we give you some money or advice you know not to do that <laughs> yeah yeah that's i mean look that's hard to turn down right when you get these offers um and so kudos to both of you that's amazing where do you see this going in the next 5 years what would you one aspect of it even like where would you like to see it go i've been thinking about this for a while um and I really do see this just as a long term. Um, we have a lot of uh, we have a lot of ideas in terms of different products that we can make with the same technology that we have. Um, so our, our uh, patent is kind of around the turning the um, fibers into an absorbent, and so that's kind of uh, something that we can expand to a lot of different products. Um, so I see Sati as having a very very long future in terms of not just uh, sanitary pads but other um absorbance as well and in terms of where we want to be in the next five years i think it's really um establish more of a, a foothold in india but also expand outside of india as well so we have a couple um distributors that we're working with outside of india and we really wanted to bring our product uh here to the us so that's one our, yeah one of our key things that we want you guys need to go on shark tank Actually some people have recommended that we go on. You should. You should totally apply, Kristen. Like yeah. I think you guys would that would be fantastic. I think you would get on. You would get on. I feel like we get on and then the nerves would come through and you'd be fine. No. You know your pro, you know your you know your organization, you know what you're talking about. They would love you guys. Yeah. Do it. I'm telling you right now. I love that show by the way. Anyways, okay. Sorry. That's the next step. Tarun, uh, what about you? Sadi became the first company to actually bring the concept of biodegradable and sustainable hygiene in the world, not just India or anywhere oh. else. Uh, nobody was doing it before us, and wow, and still nobody is doing it. There are a lot of marketing gimmicks which goes around calling their product natural, biodegradable, or organic. Which There's a few in the U.S., right? Yeah, so I mean. Okay. when you ask them that okay when you say a 100% natural product right uh, so they say natural product they would not say a person uh, now when they say natural i mean uh, the pads are made out of wood pulp which is fine wood which is natural yeah it is chemically processed put a ton of chemicals on it in a paper industry and then made horrible but it is natural where it comes from Got it is natural so well, it is a misleading misleading way uh i can bet uh if, if somebody comes and and want to have uh, a lot of money in exchange of this bet i would happily give away uh interesting we got to check this out pati <laughs> is the only one which is still 100% compostable and 100% biodegradable sanitary napkin wow. in the world no matter what you can uh bring to me i'll prove you they contain plastic and sati is is zero so it became a stepping stone uh, you know for us and as well as i would say over the time uh, the the industry would acknowledge the iron we have uh, and in terms of when i say iron is is like the value we, which we are adding to it to change the building block of this whole hygiene industry from scratch because right it's based on a polluting supply chain to a polluting product 
which is not good for anybody, whether it is humans or the earth. And then take it to a scale where they understand that, you know, this is a necessity. Right. And you guys are attempting to make these changes in areas that don't necessarily like change. Yeah. You know, and yeah. so that's that's a big challenge. So, see, Kristen, you have the room. You guys on Shark Tank together? It'd be fine. I know. I think he'd be very good in Shark Tank because he's had to already like fight all these. He just things. he just made a bet just now. Any amount yeah, of money. I know. I mean, <laughs> right there, the sharks would be like, "Oh my god, we love him." That's perfect. <laughs> That's true. No, for sure. Yes. You know, I have two little girls, and to imagine them not knowing or understanding what menstruation is. And on top of that, feeling shame for it just breaks my heart. So really, guys, I think it's so important to support people like Sati. Go to their website, satipads.com, S-A-A-T-H-I-P-A-D-S.com. You can support them through their GoFundMe page and through Give India. I'll have both links in my show notes as well as social media. And as always, you can follow me at Tuckered Out Podcast, tuckeredoutwithummy.com. One last thing, I need your vote. Go to podcastawards with an S.com and vote for me under the best Asian hosted podcast platform. Yay! I need your vote. Seriously. I haven't won a popularity slash people's choice contest probably since second grade. So this is more for my insecurity, my childhood insecurity of not being cool. Do it for that. And you know, if you like the podcast again, podcastawards.com. Please click on Tuckered Out with Ami Tucker under best Asian hosted podcast. Appreciate it, guys. I'll see you next week. This is Tuckered Out. <laughs>